0: As you start to walk on the way, the way appears. Why do you stay in prison when the door is wide open? Hello ladies and gentlemen, this is Nishant and welcome to another episode of the Nishant Gurk Show. The show is about extracting information on mindfulness, personal development and spirituality. I am on a mission to spread mindfulness and I would love for you to join me in this movement. My today's guest is Ra Goddess. Ra Goddess is the sole coach behind hundreds of breakthrough change makers, cultural visionaries, and social entrepreneurs. From multiple New York Times bestsellers to multi-million dollar social enterprises, Ra's unique methodology has empowered a unique generation of conscious entrepreneurs to stay true, get paid, and do good. From the onset of her more than 30-year career as a cultural innovator, social impact strategist, and creative change agent, Ra has drawn on the power of creativity, culture, and community to move hearts, minds, and policy. Her work has been featured in Time Magazine, MS Magazine, Variety, Essence, The Source, Redbook, Forbes, Fast Company, and the Chicago Tribune. In 2014, Ra was chosen as a top 10 game changer by Muses and Visionaries Magazine. In 2017, Ra was chosen as one of 50 founders to watch by. Essence magazine and her latest book is The Calling. Ra goddess, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. It's so wonderful to be here, Nishant. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I'm truly honored to have you on the show. I met you in Vernon Bashad event two years ago, and you're sitting in that VIP section and I was stalking around that area, <laughs> and I asked you, can I talk to you for five minutes, and you were very, very kind to talk to me at that point, and um, I was totally touched by your performance, by the way you speak, and I'm truly honored that we are doing this together.
1: Mm, it's my joy. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Ross, so... It- so if you're in a social gathering and somebody asks you, what do you do on a daily basis and how would you respond?
1: Mm, what would be my answer? Yeah. Um, I am an entrepreneurial soul coach. It's the way I describe it. And I help people find and pursue their purpose and their calling. Uh, so they connect to the the most authentic parts of themselves and they connect to the highest contribution that it is that they're here to make in the world. I help people find it, help people fulfill on it, and I help them do it in a way that's profitable and tremendously impactful to society.
0: Yes. So talking about calling, is it different from purpose, dharma, or they are just same, 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 they have the same context?
1: In, in my mind, the terms are kindred, totally kindred, you know, um, I think Dharma, it's interesting because I, I have a unique uh, way that I, I sort of speak to the aspects of Dharma. As you know, Dharma is multifaceted in terms of all of the sort of ways in which it can be defined. Um, but I do speak to it as your uh, true nature expressed as your highest contribution. So it's this connection of sort of the soul and the essence and the truth of who you are. And, you know, the way that you expressing the truth of who you are gives you your highest contribution. I see purpose as being, you know, this thing that you feel called to pursue in the world, this reason or this meaning, right, for your existence. And I see calling as being um, your work in the world, what it is that you're here to do. So I think the kindred. Um, and and I definitely work with them
0: uh, interchangeably. Yes, and finding purpose can be so difficult, and it changes time to time. And you have more than 30 years of experience in changing the world in different areas, in equality, in social justice, social entrepreneurship. What was the point? I would like to understand your story. What was the point when you found your calling in your life?
1: So I n- love to joke, Michonne, that I came to my calling kicking and screaming um, and, <laughs> and like literally at gunpoint. And, um and I, you know, I told the story, remember when we were together at the high performance Academy event, shout out yep. Brendan Richard, where um, I literally was, you know, working in my life at a time where I was, you know, doing the very practical thing, the very pragmatic thing, Checking all of the boxes for you know traditional success in the way that we knew it, you know I had a great groundstone in Brooklyn. I was dating a great guy. You know everything looked good on paper. Um, however, I knew that there was so much more that I was here to do, but I was really avoiding it and and kind of playing it safe and um, and you know the universe cornered me. <laughs> 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 basically, um, you know, I had an incident where a gentleman, you know, drove up on a bike and tried to rob me, basically, and and I was shot at uh, at gunpoint range, and um, but the bullet did not penetrate, you know, and and um, and as much as it was an outer body experience for me, or a surreal experience for me, and as much as I could not to this day sort of tell you where the bullets went, uh, the message wasn't lost on me, you know, that it was it was time to stop hiding. It was time to stop running. Um, it was time to really uh, surrender to what it was that I was here to do.
0: Yeah. And how that event changed your life? And when was it?
1: So so this was, wow, 1998. 1998. So quite some time ago, 1998. So what are we, 22 years ago? Wow. Nishant, it feels on some levels like it was the blink of an eye. but It was 22 years ago. Um, yeah. And my life is completely different because uh, coming out of that experience, I really began to, to see visions for where I was supposed to be and what I was supposed to be doing. And, you know, my current reality was so far from the visions that I was seeing. I had no idea how I was going to get there. But through being willing to surrender, through being willing to create sacred space to listen to my inner voice, to listen to my higher wisdom, I began to be guided and I began to be led to the opportunities, to the people, to the circumstances that ultimately enabled me to both get really clear about what my calling and purpose was and to actually start to deliver on that clarity
0: and on that purpose yes and uh, i see this all the time that people struggle with reality and understanding their vision and there is a big gap sometimes yeah so what advice would you give to somebody when they are not understanding their vision or they don't have any clarity about their vision
1: the biggest thing I always say is you have to begin with creating room and space in your life to listen. We are all so busy moving and running around with the demands of the day-to-day, if we have very demanding jobs, or if we're building and running our own businesses, or we've got family concerns and responsibilities, that it all can be so much that we never take the time to just even catch our breath. And one of the things I love about this podcast and the work that you're doing is supporting people and being able to become more mindful. And I'm also going to say more heartful, right, in yeah. the way that they understand themselves in the way that they perceive themselves in the way that they understand their lives and what it is that is they're here to do and offer and bring in the way that they're able to align with their values and what's really, really important. This is what sacred time and space provides. And so our clarity lives in the silence. It lives in the stillness. It lives in our ability to be able to have those intimate, necessary conversations with ourselves. And so anytime someone approaches me and they say, I'm not clear, I often say, you know, let's go within, let's, let, let's quiet down, let's slow down, let's create a space where you can listen. And then I begin to ask them questions about what it is that they value, about what it is that they believe that they've been here to offer and bring to the world. And within that, the things that bring them joy, the things that excite them, the things that they know that they really want to share. And then I ask them about the things that are important to them when they consider the opportunities or the challenges facing humanity in our world. You know, where would they like to lean in? Where would they like to lend a helping hand, even if they have no idea what it looks like?
0: And everybody I mean, has unique gifts to share with the world. Yeah. Sometimes we human beings feel that we are not good enough, we are small. People and we what we have to offer, everybody has something to offer, and we all have unique talent and gift. We just need to listen to our inner voice and being mindful and slowing down this is very important component of your book, and I would love to touch upon that component in a few minutes so what 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 practices would you recommend to somebody to listen? to really listen. Yeah,
1: I so there's there are so many ways that I believe that we can touch that sacred silence and that sacred stillness. So whether people feel drawn to meditation or yoga or chanting or prayer, you know, many of the contemplative practices, spending time in nature, sacred meditative walking, You know, uh, time and water. I, I, you know, love sacred baths. So it's really about whatever you feel drawn to, whatever experience enables you to get quiet inside. The whole purpose of slowing down is to actually begin to quiet the mind and quiet the sort of normal chatter that exists, that's always running or always operating in the background whether we know it or not, or we see it or not, and to connect to our breathing, our breath, which is really the center of our life force. And so, you know, any one of those practices will get you there. And I always say to, to my beloveds, you know, even if you start with a minute, it's more important to begin to create the consistency of the habit and then you can grow and expand the time. And I say that because you know, Nishant, some people are, I don't know how to meditate, I'm not good at it, I can't sit still, (laughs) right? You know, all those things, right? And you know, it's why it's called a practice. You know, there's no expectation that you're coming in with perfection. You know, um, Baba Muktananda, who is uh, the transcendent uh, guru of the Siddha Yoga path, I used to say that if you sit with the intention of meditating, then you're meditating. And so the idea is really to have a sense of ease and a sense of comfort and a sense of relaxation and to find those things that begin to put you in more of a relaxed state, you know, that invite the deepening of the breath, that invite the quieting and the stillness of the body, that invite the slowing of the mind.
0: Yes, and getting into nothingness. We are living in this society where we think we have to do something every time. We don't want to pause. Taking a pause will really help. And it will move your soul, it will move your body, and it will move the crowd. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Ra, I would love to ask you that you started this movement called Move the Crowd, move the crowd. How did you get this inspiration to start this huge movement?
1: It had everything to do with my own journey, you know, being a creative, being someone who was traveling throughout the world and having the honor and privilege of living my purpose. I, it came to a point, this was sort of my second, you know, kind of come to Jesus moment. Like my first moment was you know, surviving that particular incident where I met my purpose at gunpoint. You know, my second moment, you know, sort of pivotal moment was uh, returning from an international trip and, you know, having done great work in the communities that I was visiting, but uh, returning from that trip exhausted and rent was due and I didn't have all of what I needed to pay my rent. And I really you know, kind of got on my knees and said, listen, you know, I, I just don't have what it takes to go out and hustle and, 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 you know, make those ends meet anymore. And then I'd been hustling for years. You know, so it wasn't that I didn't know what to do, but it was that what I was typically doing no longer worked. And I share that because I think that for a lot of us, you know, we get good at something or we do something and we're sort of able to get away with it for a little while but there comes a point where it no longer cuts the mustard. You know, in other yes. words, what we used to do <laughs> no longer does the trick. And I was in a, in one of those moments and where I was being guided to was understanding that I was meant to and needed to figure out how to have money and purpose live side by side. And that, that was the next important growth or that was the next important calling aspect of my calling that I needed to pursue was to figure out purpose and money. Because, you know, again, with all of the wonderful work that was happening and all of the great work that I was doing, you know, my landlord didn't, didn't necessarily care so much <laughs> about <laughs> the fact that I was, you know, helping kids in the slums of Nairobi, you know, my landlord wanted the rent and I had to figure that out. And so, You know, that second pivotal moment for me was about understanding that I had been operating in reaction to what I thought money was, and I had been operating in reaction to a system of economy that just did not align with my values. Now, there's nothing wrong with sort of saying, okay, I'm not partial to this, But the challenge is when we don't create an alternative vision, what winds up happening is we still wind up connected to and bound by the old ideas. And so I had to create a new vision. In other words, if I wanted a new relationship with money, I had to create a new vision that was connected to what I wanted to see, what I wanted to have, and what I wanted to experience. And when I learned how to do that, and when I was able to transform my relationship with money, I went, my God, I have got to teach this to every struggling artist and change maker and humanitarian I know. And and that was the founding of Move the Crowd.
0: I love your explanation. And relationship with money, it does not mean that success. And I think... A lot of people think success is correlated with money. Hmm. How do you define success now?
1: Yeah. So for me, success is a function of alignment, of alignment, and that's all about being trued up to your vision, to your mission, and to your purpose.
0: And mission doesn't have to be huge mission it can be a small thing that we are called towards and when we hear about these words purpose mission calling some people might get scared that we have to do big things you know we don't have to do big things when we are starting we can start with small things yeah then it develops on top of that yeah
1: there is a saying in the Tao Te Ching that the great things are the small things And the truth is that most massive things that we observe from the outside began with little tiny
0: acts. And there's going to be a lot of failure in those tiny things.
1: Yes, you will stumble. You will absolutely stumble. I think the big thing, and I talk about this in the book, I think the big thing that is so important for us when we come into this question of our purpose and our calling is that we're asking not just what is good work, but we're asking what is my work? What is it that I am here to do? And that we're trusting that regardless of the size and the scope, that if we bring real intention, that if we surrender and honor the sharing of our gifts in whatever way that they're being called to be shared, that the ripple effect is so much bigger than we could ever imagine or see. You know, we could touch one person that then turns around and touches 10 million. That's still our contribution, right? And our ability to see that and our ability to connect to that and our ability to understand that is part of what the inspiration is to really lean into wherever we may be called in any given moment to show up and bring bring our whole selves.
0: Yes. And I will point the listeners to your book called The Calling. And I will put all those notes in the blog so that people can go and purchase your book, The Calling. And your whole movement, Move the Crowd, has three core beliefs. Stay true, get paid, and do good. Would you please elaborate on these three bullet points?
1: Yeah. So they represent... The three fundamental shifts and commitments I believe we need to make when we really want to be fully realized in our purpose, our purpose for our lives and our purpose for our lives work. You know, back to your question about success and this idea of how we've defined success, you know, traditionally and in, in sort of the ways in which Our society operates. Success has often been defined by people who have stuff or have a bunch of stuff, or people who are really good at things. And I think that the definition of true success is so much bigger. It's about a sense of cohesion and integrity. It's about a sense of being values aligned and purpose aligned and talent aligned, contribution aligned. And that is the place from which we then get to create. And in our work, I describe those three commitments of staying true, which is all about honoring what you value, honoring what is really, really important to you, and the vision for how you want to live and move and have your being in the world. Your get paid is really your mission, which is an extension of what it is that you've been given or what it is that you've cultivated, honed, and refined, which represents what you're here to bring or offer to the world through the unique combination of talents and gifts. And then the do good is is your impact. It is the things that you want to affect in the world, the opportunities or challenges facing humanity that you most want to engage, and the ways in which you bring and leverage your talents to make that contribution and affect that change in the world.
0: Yeah, thank you for explaining. So why what was your motivation to write this book? Wow.
1: So, I mean, you know, the joke is people ask me all the time, um, how long did it take you to write the book? And I said, you know, (laughs) if you're talking about physically, how long did it take me to put the words on the paper? You know, I would say to you seven months, but if you ask me truly the question of how long it took me to write the book, the answer would be 30 years. You know, this book really comes as an outgrowth of being on the front lines of people's greatest hopes and fears and aspirations for over 30 years and having the opportunity to observe in all kinds of contexts. you know, I've had the privilege to work with very, very wealthy people and I've had the privilege to work with people who've had no shoes and everything in between. And what I've discovered is that the the core of it all is our humanity and the degree to which we are able to really align with what matters for us to really be able to mine into and find our gifts and our unique combination of gifts and the degree to which we're really able to express all of the above in a way that enables a contribution to the things that we feel really, really matter and are important. And so um, for me, the book, I wanted to write the book because I wanted to give people a blueprint for how to find it, how to get there and how to deliver on their purpose in a way that was profitable and in a way that was deeply impactful. You know, there's a lot of ideology out there, Nishan, and it's important and it's good, but there's not a lot of practical, not a lot of opportunities where people could actually go, okay, step by step, how do I learn how to believe in myself? Step by step, how do I learn how to actually find my purpose and calling? Right? Step by step. How do I learn or discover how to actually believe that I can bring my talents and my gifts to the world in a way that really aligns with my passion and my purpose? And so,
0: this book will definitely help for people who are at any level in their life. If they're starting, they're not sure what is their purpose or if they have discovered their purpose, but they want to elevate their purpose to the next level.
1: Yeah. The book will meet you wherever you are in your growth and your evolutionary process towards realizing, fully realizing yourself. You know, we are all works in progress. And so wherever you are in the journey, the book is primed to meet you.
0: Yes. And in your your book, you have specific practices after each chapter, how we can slow down, how we can take a pause to really listen to our inner voice. Uh, Do you have any favorite slowing down practice that you pursue in your life every day? Mm,
1: I do. And so I have a very, very deep prayer and yoga and meditation and journaling practice. And over the years, I've done different combinations of activities and exercises and different kinds of frameworks um, but it, it's always like I've always come back to those practices as being the foundation for me. In chapter six of the book, I share three practices that I invite people into. And, and really that chapter is all about practices. How do you establish a practice? How do you determine what kinds of practices you should be mm-hmm. thinking about? Because, you know, to your point, Ashant, a lot of people are kind of going like, where should I begin? <laughs> right. Or what yeah. should I do? um and so the first practice is is this practice of stillness which we talked about you know time in nature time in water time sitting on your couch time just being with your breath in whatever way works for you the second practice i call subtle body observation and this is about actually paying attention to the breath paying attention to the tightness or the openness in the various aspects and parts of our bodies. Like our body has its own level of intelligence and its own way of communicating to us around what's happening with with us in the state of our world, particularly the state of our inner world. You know, and our ability to listen to those cues and our ability to be in open communication with the various aspects of our body invites another kind of knowing and another kind of intelligence and another kind of information that deepens and strengthens our internal power and source yeah. and capacity.
0: And I'm curious to know, in your journaling process, do you write, what are you grateful for?
1: Gratitude is, is definitely an integral part of my process, but it's also this place where I get to ask questions and receive answers. So I engage in the practice of divine journaling where there is literally a call and response between me and the page. And you know, gratitude, the practice of gratitude in my mind is integral to everything we're doing, right? You know. Yeah. And our ability to be able to cultivate that. But sometimes we can use journaling to also answer questions, big questions we have. We can use this process to work through feelings. Um, You know, sadness, anger, hurt, fear, doubt, you know, this opportunity to be in sacred dialogue with ourselves and with our higher wisdom um, is is an absolute source of strength. and, And the journal becomes a
0: vehicle for that and supporting that. Hello, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. If you are just joining us, you are listening to this podcast with Raw Goddess, Uh, what do you think could be the obstacles to living a grateful life?
1: I think the, the the first thing that we're wanting to heal, and this is where the work of mindfulness comes in, is our relationship with ourselves. And so the first obstacle that we've got to face is the disconnect and the way that we've often had to disconnect in order to just be able to meet the demands of the external world. So the first thing we want to do or need to do to really kind of come back into alignment is to heal and restore that connection. It's like to kind of plug, you know, the, the, the phone back in, <laughs> so to speak, right? It's kind of like the cord is out of the wall and we kind of walk back uh, back over to the wall and we plug ourselves back in. And that's really the first step to being able to uh, create a pathway, to sort of find our way home and just uh, act the truth of ourselves
0: yeah because uh in the, in this society we are trying to overcompensate about mm-hmm. things we are we we want to be more we want to have more we want to have a lot of things but in that yeah. process we are inviting a lot of stress and anxiety and we may not be attuned to our body and soul we lose alignment with our values and that's where stopping, slowing down, taking a pause to really reconnect with who we are. And in your work, what I've enjoyed the most is the foundation, your spiritual foundation Ooh. over tactics. Aha! Uh-huh. Can you please question. elaborate yes. on that foundation versus tactics in your whole business model?
1: Yeah, so there is a time and a place for everything, Nishan. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but I would say to you that you must begin with the foundation because the tools and the tactics will only serve you to the degree to which you are open, aligned, and clear enough as a channel to really be able to receive the information. So, you know, you can be sitting in front of the most accomplished person in the world and they can be dropping all their gems and their tools but if you spend most of the workshop in your head about how unworthy you feel then chances are not much of what that person is giving you is going to sink in you know what i mean yeah and so our you know we we often have more reverence for the tactics and the tips and the tools because we've sort of been trained that the tangible world, what we define as being the tangible world in some way, shape or form is better or more important than the way we describe the spiritual or the ethereal world. But the truth is that the two work in concert and as a matter of fact, you have ether before you get to matter, right? <laughs> you know, so you, know, you got ether, then you got air, then you got matter, right? And so, you know, a lot of us are working on, you know, on the, the top floor, but there is no foundation, you know, there is nothing underneath us. And so the information and the application of the information becomes shaky at best because we don't have anything else to plug into. To really ground even why we're doing what we're doing and why it makes sense.
0: Yeah, because we have been conditioned, Mm -hmm. we have been programmed. So if we are connecting to those spiritual practices or the basic foundations, we are discovering who we are. And tools and tactics are easy to learn. And with time, we really get better at it. But when we really work on the foundation level, we find that we are something new yeah. we always find a newer version of ourselves and first 29 years of my life i learned all the tools and tactics but when i started getting into foundational practices spiritual practices the whole shift yeah i could see and others yeah. were seeing that shift
1: yeah inspiration lives in our foundation Imagination in our foundation, ideation in our foundation. And so, you know, tools and tactics give us the motions, right? Give us the actions. But in order to actually have them be grounded and meaningful, they've got to be connected to something a reason, a purpose, a calling, right? Uh, A vision. And those come from our foundation.
0: And inspiration, I remember this quote from Dr. Wayne Dyer. This inspiration comes from within, in spirit. Otherwise, it will be outward. It's not outward, this is inward. That is why this is called inspiration. Yeah, yeah. In the spirit of. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I would like to ask you about abundance. So we, we always talk about live in abundance, think about having more, just visualize, imagine. But when we get that, what we want, we are in a crisis mode. And we have mm-hmm. extensively talked about the crisis of abundance, the yeah. stress of success. Can you please elaborate on that component?
1: Yes. We live in a society that is rooted in overwhelm. Informational overload, right? Activity overload. We're striving, we're stretching. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that we are, a, you know, we are sort of aligning with these external definitions of success as opposed to really asking us what is our definition. So we're trying to keep up with the Joneses or we're trying to keep up with a set of standards. That may not, in fact, align with what's important for us. So we find ourselves being out of breath because we're trying to do all those things, and then we're trying to do all these things over here, and <laughs> and you know this idea that more is better is not necessarily so. In the book, I talk about the work of Lynn Twist and the Soul of Money, and this idea of sufficiency, and how it is that each of us can come to. What is really true for us? We don't need to have it all, shot. We only want to have really what matters. You know? And when we get down to that question, what really matters, I think we would be surprised to see how simple the answer is. So this, yeah. you know, tendency to overcomplicate, this tendency to overload, <laughs> right? Overperform, <laughs> to strive for perfection, whatever that is, right?
0: How can um, we unload yeah, while
1: overloaded? Letting go, letting go. It's, even this practice of coming into alignment is far more about releasing than it is about putting anything on. And when we can logically start to understand it because you know, you you got to start kind of with the logical brain going, okay, I get that I need to let go. But then also you, you and I both know the questions come how. And this is where the practices serve us. Our ability to come to the breath, our ability to sit in quiet, our ability to actually allow ourselves to just be as opposed to do are the ways that we begin to get access to releasing and letting go.
0: And in the process of letting go, I'm sure that we have all those fears, negative self-talk, self-doubt. How can we release those fears and negative self-talk?
1: Yeah, so I actually take you through a process in the book where you identify what I call your greatest hits. And I walk you through a process of releasing them. And part of the challenge for us is that when we identify our negative self-talk and when we identify our doubts, there's a part of us that feels like they're permanent fixtures. Like, well, I just have these things, right? But the truth is we have to move beyond just being aware of them. There's a process of acceptance, which is where we take responsibility for the fact that these things are going on. And then from acceptance, we want to move to forgiveness which is the process of really reconciling whatever events may have occurred that have created these conversations in us, whether it's things we've inherited from other people growing up, whether it's experiences we've had that have sort of tainted or created or left us with this sort of negative impression of the world or this negative impression of other people. So, you know, part of the work is being able to unearth all of what's in there and then to ask ourselves if we are walking down the road to success, how big a bag do we want to carry with us? And how heavy do we want that bag to be? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? i give you an image here, you all. So you, you close your eyes and imagine yourself, you know, moving down the road and you're, you're headed towards your dreams. You're headed towards the life that you've always wanted for yourself. Do you want to carry a big heavy bag that you have to drag and you move very, very slow? Or do you want to be light on your feet, light on your heart, light in your spirit? And so the work of forgiveness enables us the opportunity to lighten the load.
0: And forgiveness is a spiritual practice and we we can get better with time forgiving ourselves and forgiving others. And it doesn't mean that we we forget what happened. We don't have to forget. Right. We can just release. We can just forgive in our own heart and soul that we forgive you. We don't have yeah. to live up to that.
1: No. You receive the gift and then you release the rest. Yes. You receive the wisdom and you release the rest.
0: Ra, I would like to ask you this, this question. This is very personal to me that when you get stressed... Which book would you like to go back over and over to really calm yourself?
1: Mm, I, have, I have a whole sort of a shelf of, of what I call my go-tos. So I love the Tao Te Ching. Wow. And, you know, for me, when you start to talk about releasing and letting go and coming back to a place of simplicity and breath and stillness, the Tao Te Ching is definitely, for me, like right at the top of the list. I, I also love the Abundance book by John Randolph Price, and he's one of my favorite authors. Um, and in the Abundance book, there is a 40-day prosperity plan, and there are 10 mantras that are part of that plan, those 40 days. And so anytime I'm feeling like I want to just ground in this sense of spaciousness, I go to the abundance book, you know, it doesn't just work for money, but it also works for time and people, all the other things that we can be in a place of scarcity or lack around. So that's my second go-to. And then I love the work. Of Deepak Chopra's seven spiritual laws of success, this oh, is I one of those that. ones, right? I keep on heavy rotation.
0: <laughs> the law, of, the law of least effort. You know, like yes. releasing, releasing the weight from our bag.
1: Yes, yes, and one of my favorites, the law of pure potentiality. Just all about honoring and acknowledging our creative power, our ability to co-create with the universe and so those are just some of the ones that i keep right you know right at my elbow
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i would like to know uh, do you have any specific morning routine because talking about morning routine we have this whole morning routine thing in the productivity books if you want to be successful have some morning routines so what do you think about this
1: I I definitely believe in aligning your, like your morning to me is sacred time. You know, they call it, they sort of say own your morning. And I would say, you know, align, like your morning is your aligning time, which is really your opportunity to connect to yourself and your soul and also to your purpose in terms of what's important. You know, there's big P, which is your life's purpose, or big C, right? Your life's calling. And then there's little C, which is what are the things that call you in the day-to-day, mm-hmm. the things that want your energy and attention. So that morning is that time to ground, a time to center before all of life comes at your doorstep <laughs> and takes you over. And so I uh, I pray, I meditate, I do yoga or some other kind of movement-oriented practice Some mornings I get out very, very early and I walk and watch the sunrise. Um, And it's that really quiet, still energy when it's just me and, you know, maybe the birds (laughs) and the squirrels that are up and moving around. Um, I love that sacred time. And then again, I journal, I write. That morning practice for me, of touching the page is also something that's very, very important.
0: How much time do you spend every morning in these practices?
1: When I have like lots of time, I like to spend <laughs> at least at least an hour. When I am traveling or on the move and I don't have a lot of time, I try to give myself at least 10 to 15 minutes. And I pick one of my sacred practices. So either I'm going to journal for 15 minutes, or I'm going to sit in 15 minutes of stillness, or I'm going to do 15 minutes of yoga. But I'm breathing, I'm connecting, I'm intending. All of those things are happening.
0: Yeah. And if you have only 10 minutes, which one would you pick? Do you have any favorite?
1: I usually go to the breath. For me, the breathing. And and, and I would say also the yoga, like the, because I get the combination of the movement and the breathing. There is a five minute yoga practice that I do sometimes when I'm really super pressed for time. (laughs) And that would be usually my go to. Um, because it gets the body moving, it gets the energy going, it gets the blood flowing. And at the same time, it grounds and it centers and focuses me.
0: Yeah. So talking about the grounding and focusing and calming, I'm sure you, you also get failures in your life. We all get, mm. we all get failed. Sure. How do you, how do you motivate yourself? And what, what does your self-talk look like when you don't get something that you really want in your life or in your work?
1: The first thing I do is I allow myself to feel however I feel. And I say that, Nshampa, because a lot of us, we run from the pain, the disappointment, the sadness, the hurt, the anger. And in running from it, it doesn't mean that it goes away. It just means that we wind up carrying it with us longer than we need to. So the average feeling, if you truly allow it and surrender to, it takes about 90 seconds to move through your body. And so my first step is to feel, let myself just feel it, feel the disappointment, feel the hurt, feel the anger, feel the pain, and just surrender to letting myself feel it, and observe myself in it. The next thing I ask myself is, well, what of that did you do really well, even though it didn't turn out the way you wanted to? I assess, I acknowledge what did work out. And I express gratitude for the things that I am, I was able to do well. And then I acknowledge and tell the truth to myself about the things that didn't go so well. So it's like, what did you do well? And then it's like, what did you learn? So this opportunity to reflect and really glean the knowledge and the wisdom from the things that don't work out is just as important in my mind as gleaning the knowledge and the wisdom from the things that do.
0: Yeah, that's a that's so powerful. Thank you for explaining that. Yeah. What's the impact you want to have on this world?
1: I believe that I'm here to help people get free. And when I say free, I mean in their most authentic selves and making their highest contributions in a way that is profitable and impactful. And this book and the work that we do at Move the Crowd is all about being able to give people the access to the blueprint that supports their ability to do that. So much of us have been conditioned to believe that we have to trade. We have to trade our happiness for the big numbers that come with, quote unquote, being successful. Or we have to trade time with our families in order to build our dreams, or we have to trade our health and well-being in order to you know be at the top of the list and i don't believe that and i don't aspire to that and i think that it is a recipe for non-success quite frankly and so my life and my work is dedicated to helping people recognize the truth and the beauty of who they are as they are and the unique contribution that only they can make to creating the kind of world that we all want to see.
0: That's amazing, and we can visualize. You know, we can we can visualize about what we want in our life. We can really sit calm and think about what we want, and we can visualize our future. And going back two years ago, I remember when 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 I was in the audience that. High Performance Academy, you walked the audience through this amazing visualization. Honestly, Mm -hmm. I would like to I will I would love to express that I was crying at that point because with your visualization process, that big long process, I was crying because I I was able to see my brother who passed away six years ago because of blood cancer, and I was seeing that. I could say to him that i love you i did not say i love you ever in my life but with your visualization process i was able to say tell him that i love you you are not here on this earth but i love you i mm-hmm. wish i could have told you how much i loved you mm-hmm. and my request to you is Sarah, that if, if you can please walk us through some five to six minutes of that mm-hmm. visualization process for all the listeners that we can move our soul, we can move our body and we can find our calling purpose and why, why we are here. We have a purpose. We all have a purpose.
1: Please. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So if you're listening, just take a minute and refresh your posture. If you can, putting your feet flat on the floor, or if you're sitting with your legs crossed, you just want to kind of realign your posture where you're sitting on your sits bones, in the chair or on the floor, and you're just gently bringing your attention to the breath, not fixing or forcing, simply noticing the inhalation and the exhalation, the rising and the falling, the expansion, and the contraction and you're allowing yourself to just relax into the seat you feel your body settle you feel the spine naturally elongate you feel your shoulders begin to gently relax. And as your shoulders relax, you feel the heart space naturally start to open. Now I want you to consider when it comes to your path and your purpose that you too have a unique calling. And in the pursuit of your calling you want to begin by asking yourself what do I value? What do I value? And what are my values? Notice the images or the pictures or the people that begin to emerge as you pose this question. Notice the feelings that begin to come up as you consider the principles and the convictions that guide how you live. What is the quality of relationships that you seek to have when you consider what you value? And then listen. For the words that are associated with those pictures, those images, those feelings. Honor what it is that you believe is really, really important. Now we want to move to your talents and gifts and what it is that you've been given to bring to the world. When you imagine yourself fully realized, what do you see that you have been given to share? Is it joy? Deep listening? Is it laughter? Or compassionate storytelling? When you consider your gifts, what are the images The pictures that come to mind. Notice the faces that you may be interacting with. If you are sharing, pay attention to what it is you are saying or what it is you are offering or what it is you are handing over as an extension and an expression of your love. What does it feel like when you share yourself in this way? See in vivid detail exactly what it is that you are here to bring. And now, moving towards the third and final question of what it is that you are here to affect. when you imagine yourself fully realized and you think about the contribution you wanna make, what are the opportunities and or challenges facing humanity that you most want to address? What is it that you want to create Reimagine or define, heal, uplift, transform, engage, innovate. And what do you see when you think about yourself in your highest contribution? What are the images, pictures, or symbols that come to mind for you? Whether it's alleviating poverty or giving others access to education or helping people find their greatness, see yourself fully in this contribution and notice the feelings that emerge as you are making the difference that you so want to make. What do you value? What are you here to bring? What do you want to affect? If you know that you could not fail, how would you answer these questions? Breathing in, wiggling your toes, starting to come back, wiggling your fingers, coming back, stretching if you need to, coming back, and whenever you're ready, ever so gently Ever so slowly, opening your eyes.
0: Just wow, I'm speechless. I do not have words and I'm truly, truly honored. I'm so thankful that we were able to do this. Today, in in this last one hour, that was magic. Mm. And I'm privileged to have you, Ra Goddess. Mm.
1: Thank you so much, Nishant. My pleasure. Peace and blessings to all of you who are listening. All my love. Thanks.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast with Ra Goddess. Her Instagram and Twitter is at the rate Ra underscore Goddess. R-H-A underscore G-O-D-D-E-S-S. And you can find her work at Facebook. https colon slash slash www.facebook.com slash Ra Goddess. If you have enjoyed listening to my podcast, please subscribe to the new podcast updates at my website, nishangarg.me, And please, please provide your reviews on iTunes, which will really help me. Thank you again.